Well, good morning. Um, as Ken said, yeah, my name is Caleb. Uh, we actually did visit here a couple of weeks ago. You may have seen my family. We sat somewhere in there. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here worshiping with you this morning. Um, we're new to the area. We found you all to be very welcoming. We've been to a couple of PCA churches since. Um, but uh, the Navy has since learned of my existence. Um, the, the Navy has slowly, every day it seems, I'll get another call from a, a staff officer or commander. Hey, can you come help with this event? Or, so it looks like right now the plan for me is, it, it was going to be to plug into a PCA church in the area. Um, but I think I'll probably end up at Little Creek's Protestant Chapel uh, helping with them. So my wife, uh, she wished she could be here this morning. They were actually helping out early in the morning with an event uh, up at Little Creek. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's good to be with you again. Um, I'm sensitive to the fact that sometimes coming in as a guest speaker uh, can be challenging. I remember years ago, uh, back before podcasts, when you still had to listen to the radio, um, and, and, and I had my favorite radio shows. Like I had one in the morning for the morning commute. I had one in the evening for the evening commute. And they just, they were like familiar voices, you know? I mean, part of the rhythm of your day. And you, you, you get used to hearing these, these radio show hosts that just kind of uh, fill that time and uh, guide you through life. But there would be inevitable days when a host had to, you know, go on vacation or got sick or something. And you'd have this guest host and there was this foreign and strange and grating voice that would come through after the intro song. And you're like, who is this? Like, what are they about? And you have about 10 to 30 seconds of, of you know, the calculus. We're like, am I going to change the channel? Am I going to listen to something else? Maybe silence, I don't know, roll down the windows. And, and, and the timer has started for some of you this morning. Uh, the timer has already started. I'm not Carlos. I don't. Uh, you know, my, my style is different. Um, and, and so I have these precious few seconds to try to engage you, right? Um, unfortunately, I don't know any good jokes. Um, my wife tells me that I'm funnier when I don't try to be, uh, which is a really kind way to put it. Uh, and, and so that means that my only recourse is to try to explain to you this morning why in your bulletin it says we're in First Kings and not in John. Um, so let's talk for a second about that. This is a part of the story where Elijah, he, this prophet, he's encountering God on a mountain, on Sinai, actually, uh, in a period of his ministry where he is weary. And, um, you know, when Carlos and I talked earlier this week and, and we talked about what I might preach on, I, I asked him, is there anything in particular, any topic that you feel like people need to hear? Uh, and he said, he said, no, I, I, I haven't really had time to think about that. And I completely understand because his plan up until a few days ago was to be up here preaching on, on John. Um, so I asked him, you know, is there a path, like, can I continue the series? Is there, do you want me to just take the next section? And he said, well, you can. But then the more he started to explain all the reading that he's done, I thought, you know, this is just not going to work. He has done way more research on this. I don't want a shortcut. I, I'm not going to have the time to put into that in a couple of days, and so that just wasn't going to work. And so that leaves the field wide open. <laughs> um, and if you've ever picked up a Bible, it, it's a big book. There's a lot in there. Um, but even this morning, uh, I've been kind of overwhelmed sitting over here. Uh, 
I picked a passage from my own devotional life, just a passage that showed up in my reading this last week, something that stuck out to me. But uh, all of the passages that we've read so far, um, the passage from Isaiah 40, uh, the passage from First Thessalonians 5, um, these have also showed up in my reading. I actually preached a sermon on First Thessalonians recently, and um, it's just interesting how the Holy Spirit works. How uh, So I'm a little more confident now, uh, just having heard the intro, hearing the words from Ken, um, that, that this is a message we need to hear today uh, together. Um, so 1 Kings 19, just to catch you up to speed, we're going to jump into a story that's already happening and moving pretty fast. Um, so Elijah the prophet, he is confronting a wicked king, uh, King Ahab. And the specific wickedness that Elijah is concerned with is the way that the people of Israel have turned away from Yahweh. The first commandment, don't have any other gods before me. And the Israelites can't seem to get that right. There's this rival god, Baal or Baal, and uh, he's the storm god. And Elijah is very concerned for the spiritual health of, of the northern kingdom. And as you read through 1 Kings, every, once Elijah hits the scene, um, it's just kind of like miraculous event after miraculous event. And just he, his story is full of so much action. He, he's uh, helping people in the midst of a drought find food and miraculously providing for them. A, a, a widow's son uh, gets sick and dies and, and then is raised back to life. Um, he has this showdown in chapter 18 with the prophets of Baal or Baal and if you're familiar with the story that the prophets of, of Baal are trying to get this altar to light on fire because, you know, Baal's a storm god. He should be able to strike lightning onto this and, and, and bring this uh, flame out of, out of this altar. And Elijah says, my God can do that. And so he's outnumbered and all this stuff, and he prays a simple prayer, and wouldn't you know, the, light, the, the fire just consumes this this altar that's been uh, made wet and all this stuff. He's just like really showing off at this point that God has more power than Baal. And so Elijah challenges the king and he challenges the people and he says, how long will you be caught between these two opinions, right? You, you, you are caught between God and Baal and, and obviously Yahweh is the true and living God and obviously Baal is this false lifeless God choose the path of the true and living God. But then we get to 1 Kings 19. And by the time we get to verse 9, which is where I'm going to read from in a second, uh, we find a prophet who is now jealously seeking after God. He, he is he's weary. He is full of a little bit of doubt. Um, see, he feels isolated. He feels like a failure. And you think, what, what happened? Why would he feel like a failure? Um, well, Jezebel, the queen, she sends spies and emissaries to him and says, I'm, I'm threatening your life. I'm going to kill you. And he, whether because he lost his nerve or some other reason, he flees. He decides to travel south. He actually ends up wandering around in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, he leaves the whole kingdom of Israel and heads for Mount Sinai. And this weariness that sets in when he realizes that the task that he tried to accomplish, the way he tried to go about changing the hearts and minds of people in Israel, it's, it's not working the way he thought 
that it was going to work. And he even asks God to take his life. That's how bad it gets. He's, he's, he's depressed. And then in verse 9, this is what happens. Okay, so there Elijah came to a cave, and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and uh, he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And, he, and the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mount before God, or before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, and the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave, and behold, there came to him a voice that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And the, Elijah, the son of Shaphat of Abeth-Mehalah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Uh, let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that, that this text would speak to us. There's a lot going on, a lot of action, a lot of dialogue between you and Elijah. I pray that as we explore uh, your encouragements to Elijah this morning, that they would be encouragements to us. Uh, I pray that you would give uh, me the words to speak and that the words that I speak and the meditations of all our hearts would be pleasing uh, in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... So the question that has got me interested in this passage, the thing that originally caught my notice and made me think, okay, there must be something more going on here, is this question of what is going on in Elijah's mind? Um, what makes him so weary? The first time I read through it, especially with uh, this threat from Jezebel and the way he flees, I thought that it was just a lack of nerve. I thought he was just... Um, fleeing, scared for his life. I've heard many stories of, of pastors and, and missionaries, preachers, church leaders, and when you come face to face with, with actual persecution, with somebody who really means to do you harm, and there's that moment of, you know, what do I really believe about this? Do I really think God is powerful enough to save me from this situation? Or, or what would happen if I did die? 
because uh, someone threw me in jail or something like that. Uh, that's that moment of truth. Uh, I, and I sometimes wonder how I would respond if, if someone threatened me or, or my loved ones that way. Um, as many people are, are routinely persecuted in parts of the world um, today in that way. But as I've, I've read and reflected a little bit on the chain of events uh, in this passage, some of which I've shared with you, uh, I think Elijah's core struggle was really with the people of Israel. It was really with the, the people that after all these public displays, all of these miracles, things that couldn't even be questioned, that were just so obvious to everyone, I think Elijah was just starting to wonder, why should I keep doing this? Why should I stand up to Jezebel and continue to put my life on the line when the people are so casual about the things of God? They're so lackadaisical about this. It's like it doesn't matter to them. And, and he thought that this demonstration of power, like the kind on Mount Carmel when God struck that altar, that that would lead to a revival in the nation and that things would get better, and then they didn't. So for us today, uh, this weariness might show up in a, in a different way. Uh, my wife has been up late these past few uh, nights planning lessons uh, for our eldest son, who's four, Otto, and, and he's on schedule to start kindergarten this year. And my, Renee is one of the most efficient and driven people that I know. Uh, and I don't say that lightly. I've met my share of driven, motivated people. But, uh, you know, at first she thought, oh, how hard can this be? It's kindergarten, right? But then the more she started looking for a curriculum and the more she started talking with people who actually have an education background, you know, she started to realize this is, this is hard. This is hard work trying to plan lessons for even stuff that I know to teach another human being that's so small and so impressionable, these things. This is almost beyond me. I'm exhausted. She feels this pressure of tackling something that is just beyond what she thinks she's capable of. And, and I've had a similar feeling uh, this week. I've, I've heard the need uh, you know, for someone to, hear, to fill in here at, at Redeemer, I talked with my wife, I said, is there anything on our calendar? And she said, no. I said, sure, let's do this. And I'll tell you, every day this week, <laughs> I've gotten another call from someone. Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? My, my week next week is, is just full. And, and maybe you are here this morning and you are feeling this. You're feeling the, the, the exhaustion that kicks in when there's more work than could possibly be done. Uh, maybe it's something at work. Uh, maybe it's... Uh, a project that's all-consuming. Maybe it's a, a tense relationship with a friend, or maybe there just doesn't seem to be any way forward with a conflict that you're dealing with, and you try to make amends, and you try to, to put your best foot forward, you try to fix the relationship, and it's just not working. You know, there's, there's events, there's things that happen in our lives that it just seems to pull all the oxygen out of the room, and, and we lose our motivation. Um, but the hope for weary people that are caught in this, the thing that stands out to me about what God uh, does with Elijah here is that the hope is that God is still present. The hope is here that God is present even in the dark places where he doesn't seem to be at work um, and that God is, is patient. He has a lot of practice intervening in situations that seem hopeless. Uh, and so he's not defeated even when we feel like we might be defeated. Um, and he has a plan that will come to fruition at the appointed time. That, I think, is really the heartbeat 
of this passage. Uh, so let me speak to some of this. First, God is present. Uh, in the text of 1 Kings that we just read, God may have surprised Elijah in how he revealed his presence. Did you think it was odd when you read about this strong wind? I certainly did the first time I read it. And behold, the Lord passed by. Here he is passing by on Sinai, the same mountain that he revealed himself to with power uh, when Moses and the Israelites were, were there. And it says, the Lord was not in the strong wind. The Lord was not in the earthquake. The Lord was not in the fire. But the Lord was in that sound of a low whisper. It, I've heard it translated uh, a thin silence. God is in the, the thin silence. Uh, sometimes we look for God in the miraculous public displays or like a really profound thing that makes us think and we forget that sometimes God is just there in the mundane, in the things that we overlook, in the things that seem to not be things of God. And so, yes, while Moses and the Israelites showed up and saw God in a blaze of fire and with glory so radiant that when Moses had God revealed to him, God had to shield him from his full glory so he wouldn't be melted. Uh, when Elijah encounters God on this same mountain, he encounters a thin silence, a low whisper, uh, a God who is subtle, who's able to work in the, in the little things. It kind of reminds me of a time a while back, I had a, a dog. His name was Winston. He was a wonderful dog. And I remember every morning getting up to go to work, and he would give me that same look. And if you own a dog or have ever had a dog, you, you know what look I'm talking about. It was like, why are you going? Where, where could you possibly be going that's better than right here? We have a good thing going. And, uh, and I don't know what he thought I did when I left. But I think he thought I just like walked the block with a, an empty leash or something, or maybe another dog. I don't know. He was trying to figure out where I was going, what I was doing. And it was just beyond what he could hold in his head if I were to really sit down and try to explain to him rent and responsibilities. And, you know, like, he wouldn't have gotten any of that. And here is Elijah doing the same dance with God. God, where are you? Why are you... Why are you intervening in this way? Why aren't things turning out the way that I thought they would turn out? And sometimes we can have that same dynamic with God as we live day to day. Why, why are things happening this way? I thought we had a good thing going, God. Um, and I think we forget that this, this same dynamic that d exists between us and other creatures exists between us and God. God's not just some uh, smart human being out there floating around. He, he's a higher order of being. He sees the whole picture. He sees you know, the past and the future and things that we couldn't even comprehend. He's all powerful, all wise. Like it says in Isaiah in chapter 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And Paul says something similar in Romans. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. All this means that there will be things that happen in our lives, things that we don't understand that aren't going to be fully explained to us. Um, they will remain mysteries. And if God were to even try to stoop to our level and explain, it would either seem 
it would just seem strange or it might even break our brains. Just, just us trying to figure out why things are happening the way that they are. Um, so yeah, one of the ways that you and I can, can fall into this trap is just looking for God only in the big things um, and forgetting that he also works in the small things. Um, I think this is especially hard when we are praying for God to change our hearts or to change the heart of somebody that we know when we pray for coworkers or friends or, or family members or even the larger society of uh, Virginia Beach or the United States or the Western world, however ambitious you want to be in your prayers. Um, I, as an army chaplain, I, I interact daily with people who would never uh, darken the doors of a, a chapel or a church, or at least they don't think they ever would. And, and I've had lots and lots of people that I've been praying for, and the list just keeps getting longer. And, and there is some fruit. There are people that you would never think would ever turn to Jesus, and they have, and it's amazing. But for every one of those stories, there seems to be nine or ten other ones that I'm just still kind of carrying around, thinking, God, what, are you, what is your plan for this person's life? But God speaks to Elijah about that as well. God reminds Elijah, and he can remind us that he has a plan. And this is uh, the plan of plans, right? This is a diverse, international, global, universal plan that we all play a part in, uh, whether that seems to be a big part or a small part. Uh, we're presented with a choice of whether we want to persevere in what God has called us uh, to do. Um, in 1975, a, a scholar named Edward Campbell, he did this study on uh, complaining in the Bible. Uh, it, he focused specifically on narratives. He talked about uh, Ruth and Jonah and Job and jo Jeremiah. And here in First Kings, he talks about Elijah. And then Jesus in the Gospels, where Jesus says to, to God, just it, you would allow it. Please let this cup pass from me. I, I'm in agony here, God. And Campbell, he... he read all these passages very closely, and he realized that in all these cases, the person that raises the complaint, um, they're never given a satisfactory explanation for why things are the way that they are. Um, the matter is just sort of transferred into the future, and, and they're told um, basically to keep, keep, about the, keep obeying, keep down this path that you're on. Um, he says it comes in terms of renewed vocations. They get a new calling, or they're told to continue in the calling that they've already been given. Um, and Elijah raises these concerns, right, when he says, I've been jealously seeking after you, and the Israelites are not responding the way I thought they were going to respond. Where are you, God? And what does God say in return? God says twice, both times, get up. Get up. And go. Basically, go back home and get to work. And, uh, and God reminds Elijah of uh, something important in the last verse, doesn't he? He says, yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. And he's saying to Elijah, you are not as alone as you think you are. I'm present, but... There are other human beings out there, faithful servants that I have called that are doing work that you don't even know about, Elijah. Uh, don't get so focused on your own situation that you don't notice that and have faith in my plan. 
There are many other things uh, that, that God was planning, some of which Elijah could have guessed, many things that Elijah could not have guessed. Elijah didn't have the New Testament. Uh, Elijah didn't have the work of the prophets that would come after him. Um, so Elijah didn't have the full vision of where his story was going, why God would tell him to go back and anoint another king and anoint another prophet and continue this thing that looked like a cycle, like it didn't seem to have any resolution. And so there will always be things uh, beyond our comprehension, things that that we, much like the angels, we wish that we knew more about. We wish we could understand God's ways. Um, but I do want to point out something to you, that this is not the last time we see Elijah. In fact, it's not even the last time we see Elijah after he, he gets in that chariot and he is taken up to heaven. Um, we see Elijah again on another mountain. Let me read uh, the story in the New Testament where we see Elijah again in, in a story. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and he led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were both talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that, that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For Peter did not know what to say, uh, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but only Jesus. Elijah could not have predicted when he was standing in that cave in Sinai where the story was going. Um, he couldn't have predicted that this, this king that he was told to go anoint in the southern kingdom uh, would be in the line of David, and that the Davidic line would continue, and Jesus would be the fruit of that. He, he didn't know that the, the prophet Elisha that he was going to anoint uh, would be the prophet that would continue this prophetic ministry that Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these other prophets would, would declare the coming Messiah. He didn't know any of that, but God did. And that is why God told him to get up. That is why God told him to go back to the ministry that he had called him to. And that is the great story into which all our stories fit. When Jesus was talking with Elijah on this other mountain, I have to think that's when Elijah had that aha moment, when he was finally like, oh, this is why you told me to get off of my face and to continue the work of ministry. This, this is where the story is going. So that's when Elijah realized that God was not watching in judgment from far off. He was not giving him meaningless, busy work. Um, he wasn't just making it up as he went along. God had a plan. And Elijah had a, a spot in that greater plan. And all the complaints and all the frustrations and all the weariness that Elijah experienced, and, and Moses too. Moses, how, how exciting was that for Moses? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm finally stepping into the promised land after all these years, after all this waiting. 
there was finally a way to make some sense of it all. And, and you and I today, we're not Elijah, we're not Moses, but, but we, if we follow the same God, I, I, I think the same principles apply. Uh, we share some part in this eternal uh, plan. And so, to use the examples I started with, my wife, you know, she's renewed. We talked about this last night, actually. Not, not when she devotes more late nights to trying to figure out how to lesson plan for a four-year-old um, and how to just try to figure it all out. But it's when she sees that connection between planning a lesson and her calling as a mom, her calling as, as someone who's been entrusted by God with this little one to to raise him up in the care and admonition of the Lord, to show him how to live, point him to Jesus. That's a, a vocation, a calling. And I'm renewed as, as a chaplain, not on the days that I just drink more caffeine and stay up all night trying to answer all the emails and, and do all the work. It's when I realize that God has called me to meet soldiers where they're at, wherever that is. And, and there's a difference between representing Christ and trying to be Christ for people. Um, that was what Elijah needed to realize, that he was not, he was not the Christ. The Christ was still to come. And that is the message for us as well, that we don't know the future, but in the meantime, God is present um, in your life. He's present in the little things and the big things and the miraculous things, but also the things that uh, may not be going the way you wish they would. God is present. God is patient. God has a plan, and we can keep working diligently and following his lead. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way you gently deal with your servants. Thank you for uh, this reminder out of Elijah's story that even when he was at the end of his rope, even when he was weary and he was not understanding uh, exactly why he was working, that you still uh, gently corrected him, sent him back uh, on this path of obedience. And I pray that you would also do that for us, for uh, whatever part in your grand plan that we play. Uh, Lord, your word says that, that you work all things out for the uh, good of those who love you, Lord. And I just pray that as we uh, struggle to love you, as we struggle to obey you, that you would meet us where we are at, that you would show us our part. Um, Lord, you do not owe us any answers to any questions, but I just pray that you would be kind to us as you were kind uh, to Elijah. Uh, I pray that you would give us strength for this week, that you would give us hope um, in the midst of any weariness that we may feel. We pray all these things in the powerful and precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen.